Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Player 54 Podcast, a show focused solely on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host, Michael Lathrop. Hello, football fans. This is episode 55, More Hires, and Pauline's Journey. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Royal Retros by 503 Sports. Royal Retros are the king of throwbacks. Royal Retros by 503 Sports provides a line of merchandise from legendary defunct leagues such as the XFL 1.0. If you have always wanted to get yourself a quality Las Vegas Outlaws He Hate Me or Los Angeles Extreme Tommy Maddox jersey, perhaps even an OG XFL's team's t-shirt, we have you covered. Simply click on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code Let's Talk XFL at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. Once again, this week we have limited XFL developments. With less than 75 days till the relaunch in February, the league continues to fulfill key front office positions. Later in the show, I will be joined by running back and Houston Roughnecks draftee Bryson Aline to discuss his football journey and XFL draft experience. But first, we have those developments to cover. So, let's get to it. On November 29th, the XFL announced Wendy Bass as the league's chief business and legal officer. In this role, Bass will oversee the legal, people operations, and technology departments. She will also be responsible for the league's broadcast partnership with the Walt Disney Company and ESPN. In addition, Bass will oversee the league's betting and gaming efforts and will assist in collaboration with league sponsors. She will report to Russ Brandon. Then, on November 30th, the XFL named Brooke Campbell as the Senior Vice President of Team Services, as well as the promotion of Erica Muehlman to Chief Revenue Officer. In the role of Senior Vice President, Campbell will serve as a liaison between the league's business operations department, including ticketing, communications, marketing, game presentations, partnerships, digital, and content, as well as all eight teams to implement the best business practices and create synergistic opportunity while curating each market's unique demands. She will report to Janet Doche. As I have previously mentioned, we will now be joined by running back and Houston Roughnecks draftee Bryson Aline to discuss his football journey and XFL draft experience. Welcome, Bryson. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show to discuss your football journey and XFL draft experience. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on here. It is a pleasure. Before we get into the XFL draft, I think it would be beneficial if we provide some of your background first to help, yeah. you know, some of our listeners know who you are, get a feel for who you are. Um, you played your collegiate ball at Division One Delaware State University. Am I yes, sir. right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Can you walk us through what your recruitment process was from high school to college and what your mm-hmm. overall college experience was like? I had zero offers in high school coming until maybe like February to a two day, well, really, yeah, February of, of 20, what's that, 2019, like of my senior year. I ended up getting like a late offer from Gannon University Division Two uh, up in PA. I want to say maybe like the weekend before signing day, I was kind of holding off just because like uh, my trainers and mentors and stuff, 
you know, they, their vision for me was to go the JUCO route because, you know, obviously we all believe that I could play Division One. So our thing was just kind of just waiting it out. And I was originally going to go to Fork Union Military Academy. I was super duper holding off on that because I had just started growing my hair and whatnot. I didn't, definitely didn't want to cut my hair. So, you know, I was kind of banking on something to happen. I want to say uh, signing day was February 4th. On like February 1st, I was on my way. I got a call from my trainer. Delaware State had just got a new coach, Coach Kenny Carter. Was on my way down there. So I had literally just left, I want to say, Kutztown University. I was on a visit up at Kutztown. Was coming home. He was like, all right, we're going straight to Dell State. In the car, on my way down to Dell State, I got a call from Gannon. And, you know, they asked me like one last time, like, hey, listen, you know, do you have an answer for us? And I was like, nah, I don't right now. I'm just still kind of weighing my options. Just came from a visit. X, Y, Z. And then they were like, you know, maybe this will help you. You know, I mean, we're deciding to pull your offer and give it to somebody else. So this was, you know, I mean, three days before signing day was that Tuesday. This was that Saturday right before. So, you know, I went down Delaware State, met the head coach. You know, he loved me, spoke highly of me, um, had all these types of plans and stuff for me. And, you know, I mean, I left there basically with a scholarship. I signed on signing day to Delaware State. Originally, in my head, thinking like, you know, scholarship, scholarship, I'm getting a full ride. And I didn't find out until maybe like a month later ish, like when I got like my paperwork, that it wasn't really a full ride. It was only like 75 ish percent. Um, you know, what I mean, I was an in-state kid. So the school got uh, the team got money from that because I was getting academic scholarships as well. Um, so I guess technically it was a full, but I need I wanted like a full athletic scholarship. And then I want to say maybe like sometime in like May or June leading up into like camp area, like right before I was supposed to report, he ended up calling me and telling me that, you know, I mean, they're going to extend my scholarship into a full scholarship. So, you know, I mean, originally it wasn't a full scholarship. It was like, you know, I mean, partial and I ended up getting full coming into college, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, college was good. I came in right away. They I don't want to say they had high expectations, but he definitely had a plan for me. I started out as a receiver. He brought me in as a receiver. Mind you, I didn't play any receiver in high school. I probably had a handful of catches in high school. We were a wing T team, so I was like one of the wingbacks. So I came in as a receiver and uh, mostly as a return man and just like a lot of special teams. By like, I want to say midway through the season, they were kind of trying to like weed some guys out, like the scene from like the old coaching staff. And I ended up starting my first game, I want to say like either game five or game six. I ended up starting that game at running back and I ended up starting game three at kick returner. So I was like second team kick returner. I got like one kick return. Somebody like was hurt or was missing equipment, went out there, had a good return and they just kept me out there. And then I ended up starting by game three and in game five at running back. You know what I mean? From there, it was just all just positive stuff. You know what I mean? Just making plays on offense, making plays on special teams, returning the ball, as well as making plays on like kickoff and uh, punt return. Like I was one of the guys on like the front line to go block the punt. So I was, you know I mean, doing pretty good on that. Dealt with some injuries and stuff towards the end. Like junior year, I broke a spur in my ankle. Missed one game my junior year. And my sophomore year, the last game of the season, I tore my ACL the last game of the season. And then my senior year, I had a concussion one game like earlier in the season. So like just little, little, little stuff like that. You know, I was primary guy and I played on all phases of the game at that time. So that's kind of just what it was at that point. And then, 
you know what I mean? I kind of became the face of the program very early. I was a captain my junior year, as well as captain my senior year once our new uh, coach, Rod Milstead, had came in. So you've had some adversity right from your college days. And I mean, I know yeah. we haven't got into rest of life and, you know, we, we can kind of go down that path eventually. But I really wasn't all that aware of you. I mean, I have seen you on social media and I'm not a big FCF guy, but I mean, I have tuned in on things before. So, I mean, I'm a little bit of aware of you, but I didn't really know you. Right. And right. when I uh, came across your one post, I'm like, you know what? Just hit me up. Let's we'll, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see what, you know. I'm all about sharing players' journeys. If you go back yourself or any of the new listeners are listening, go back and listen. I mean, I brought on players from D3, NAIA, I mean, uh, JUCOs, stuff like that. I've all been about finding these guys, connecting with these guys, and let's just sharing their story. So I'm, again, blessed to have you on the show. And trust me, I feel like I'm the blessed one. You are welcome. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I think you're doing me more of a favor than perhaps I'm doing for you. But when I did kind of get into this, I'm like, all right. You know, I didn't realize that after college that you had signed with the um, IFL's Northern Arizona Wranglers. Yeah, yeah. Can you share how that opportunity came about? So originally when I graduated, I was scouted by uh, a couple teams. I was scouted by, I want to say, the Jets and the Colts coming out of college. Some funky stuff kind of happened at my pro day. We did our pro day at uh, University of Delaware, bigger Division One school in Delaware, right up the street. Did our pro day there. They were only two teams assigned to guys that weren't University of Delaware athletes. So, you know what I mean? We weren't very highly looked at. You know, I was I ran the fastest 40 at that combine that year, like of anybody who were there. That was the year uh, Nazir Adderley came out. You know, he plays for the Chargers now, starting safety for the Chargers. I want to say Troy Reader came out that year, too. He was at he was with the Chargers. I believe now he's with the Rams or he was with the Rams first. Now he's with the Chargers. So, yeah, I came out the same year as those guys. You know, after that, I went to a couple CFL workouts. I ended up getting a call from the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats. And I was supposed to go out there as well. Got the call from their U.S. scout. And then that year, the CFL went into a lockout. So, like, no, like, no guy, nobody, no rookies could come in and everything. So, you know, I mean, just kind of like, you know, downhill from there. And then um, I originally got with a guy named Zach Hibden. He is the owner of Athletes um, Scouting. I don't know how we came about. Might have been like somewhere on Facebook or something like that. And, you know, he just reached out to me. Um, He has very very good connections with indoor league teams. Like he does this whole scouting, you know, combine type of deal, brings a bunch of guys out there and stuff like that. Just to get guys some looks. You know, he told me basically he knew the, knew the new coach from the Iowa Barnstormers. So that was the first team that I originally went to. What year was that? 2020. And, you know, I went out there, ran a 40, ran my 40. You know, I ran a 439, I want to say. And then, you know, I got my offer letter, you know, on my way back home. So like, you know, that was locked in. Went out there, ended up getting cut right before the first week of the season. But after that, that's when COVID happened. Everything shot, got shut down. Everybody had to go home. So, you know, I mean, nothing even happened after that. And then 2021, I'm not even 100% sure. I think I might have just was just looking up, looking up teams or something. And I just ended up, you know, finding the Wranglers, sent them my film. They reached right back out. You know, the offensive coordinator, the head coach called me. And, you know, I mean, they offered me a contract just like that, went out there and, you know, I did good during camp. I played the first game 
I guess they wanted to go a different route. And I I ended up getting cut after the first game there. So, you know what I mean? Kind of like the same battles and stuff. And I actually got cut the day before my birthday. So, like, you know what I mean? That was spent the whole time, like, coming home and stuff on my birthday. So that was kind of crazy. You know, once I came home, it was just, you know, still just back to work, still training. Uh, I coach high school ball, all of that. And then coach, I want to say coach Lowe from Sioux City Bandits. He was recruit. He was scouting me coming out of high school. And I told him, like, you know, like, nah, like I, I was taking a different route. I ended up already signing to the Barnstormers and stuff like that. So he ended up reaching back out to me, like asking me if I was still available, if I still wanted to play. And I was like, yeah, you know what I mean? So prior to me going out to Sioux City, I went to a workout to, for the FCF. Once I work out in Atlanta, did that workout. Everything was smooth. Flew straight from Atlanta, straight to Iowa. Did like 10 days camp out there and then ended up getting my contract to go back to the FCF. So then left, went home for a week and then flew right back to Atlanta for, for that season. Obviously the indoor game is significantly different. Yeah. You know, traditional football, how much, even though in that short span with the barnstormers tryouts with uh, the one game with the Wranglers and then ultimately fan controlled football, how did that really impact and transform your game? I just had to make a lot of decisions a lot faster. Um, you know, obviously it's a confined space, you know, not that many blockers. And, you know what I mean? When it's a run, it's happening right now. You know, it's a lot of all downhill runs. The pitches happen, you know, super fast. Essentially, it's three against five, four or five guys. You know what I mean? It's, they have two linebackers three down linemen and all we have is three down linemen and me. So, you know, it's basically three on five and, you know, I got to make that first guy miss and I got to make a play like really fast. So definitely sped up my learning process, definitely sped up like my, uh, my reaction times and stuff like that, just for the simple fact that I got to move faster just because there's not a lot of space and there aren't that many blockers in, in the indoor game. I will have to say, I do have to say this. For anyone that has not looked into Bryson or any of his footage, you definitely should because, I mean, you're quick. Your cuts are no joke, man. I mean, <laughs> they are some of the best, like, change of direction. Like you said, quick decisions. No doubt you've made some really fast and, I mean, game-changing shifts. I mean, just people should look into your highlights. Just look it up on <laughs> YouTube and whatever. And I'm not just trying to pat you on the back or fluff you up in any way but i mean like really i mean i was not that aware of you like i had previously mentioned and i mean i was like wow, okay all right i mean it's a little bit more obvious where we're headed here you know when we talk about the xl draft experience here but my understanding is that you were ultimately franchised by the glacier boys how long yeah. into fcf did that come about I mean, and how big of a deal for people that are not really fan control football fans is that? Can you explain that to them? It's like super big of a deal. One, because we all practice together, no matter what team we were on, especially during camp. Like we just kind of practice as groups and, you know, the coaches just randomly assigned us two specific, uh, I guess you could say like teams. So like originally during camp, I was on the uh, board apes team. But that was just, you know, obviously just a group and we weren't legit on that team at the time. And I want to say it was close to, I want to say somewhere between like eight to like 10 or 12 is running backs 
So like you start doing the math and you're trying to figure out like, okay, cool. Maybe one or two guys per team. That means one or two guys are left over. And you kind of just start thinking and kind of calculating like that. So, and then throughout the whole process of camp, you start talking to like the vet guys and you start realizing how important it is, like the discord and the Twitch, you know, talking to the fans. Cause they're like, no, seriously, like, you know, these fans and these uh, like owners, they have a huge say in what teams that you go to. And if you don't, you know, get on there and if you don't promote yourself, like they're just not going to know who you are. And because like, they don't see film of like practices and stuff like that. They just wait until, you know, everything is actually televised. So we did our team, like our team scrimmage. I did really well in the team scrimmage. And, you know, I was just making sure that I was talking to fans from each team, just on like the general message board and stuff. And then I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but I kind of was just watching just social media and just seeing like what specific pages were posting about me exactly. So like, I think I got posted on like the Kingpins page. Uh, I, I know I got posted on the Glaciers board, Glacier Boys, and then I played for the Board 8 team during the team scrimmage. So like those were kind of like my main teams that I was in the Discord talking to their fans and stuff. You know, obviously promote myself, put my film in there, just kind of talk myself up to everybody. And that's kind of just basically how it went. And then, you know, I was super like just trying to figure out, hey, like, how do you get drafted? Like, I'm asking guys on the teams, like, how do you get drafted? Like, how does it work? And they're just like, yo, the fans are going to vote, you know, obviously per round for whoever they draft and stuff. So, you know, that was definitely a big deal. And I want to say I got drafted to the Glacier Boys for the first week. And then our quarterback got hurt and I had a good game that week. And then I want to say Andrew Jamil was already franchise tagged from last year. So like he was good. And then, you know, we were trying to figure out a quarterback situation. So the next best person, you know, obviously was a running back and it was me. So I'm going to be me. So, you know, that's how I got franchise tagged after the first week. So, you know, that was definitely, you know, it was a great feeling one to be drafted like in general. Cause I, you know I mean? I've never been through a draft before, you know what I'm saying? So when that finally happened, like, you know, I was excited, you know I mean? To be a part of, I feel like a household name team in the, in the fan control league. And then ultimately getting franchise tagged and, you know I mean? Having the season that I had, you know, it was, it was definitely great. The fans are so vital, obviously fan controlled football, yes, right? Yes. And I'm not really a show that talks about that, but I know there are very loyal followers of that league. I mean, I mean, hardcore, just as any other league has. It. So they have their, their diehards. How many of those fans have you just kind of acquired as fans of you that have stuck with you, even now you're making your transition? Have they just kind of lashed on to you that you're now kind of like just their guy? Right now, the um, I want to say he's like the either like president or owner, but he's like top dog and like runs everything basically. Like everything goes through him. Uh, his name is Rick T. So like he has his own podcast too, Rick T podcast. You know, he's the, he's the guy, him, Frosty. That's another guy. You know I mean? They go off of their, uh, off of their like discord names and stuff. So it's like, it's Rick T Frosty. And I want to say another one is like Jay Boykin. And I think those are like the top three names that are, you know, consistently like, you know what I mean, on, on boards and stuff like that. So let's start to make our shift here to the XFL, you know, yeah. because that's what this show is all about anyway. Where and when did you decide to make that focus shift towards the XFL? Was it about showcases? Was it about getting workouts? 
how did that all come about? Where did, you know, how did you come about that decision? You know, I mean, football is all about leveling up and just trying to, you know, obviously go back outdoors. You know, you play your, everybody's ultimate goal is to play in the NFL. And, you know, I mean, you come, you start football playing outdoors. So, you know, I mean, you take the route that I took or that anybody takes playing indoor, you know, obviously you want to continue to move up. So that was like just the main thing. And then after the season that I had, you know, I mean, I led the league in rushing, led that FCF in rushing all pro. You know, I was one of the nominees for offensive player of the year. And the next thing was the XFL. We couldn't go to any CFL workouts that were held in Atlanta just because we were under contract with the fan control league. So my thing was just, you know, obviously getting my film together and just trying to reach out and take advantage of any opportunities that presented themselves. So, you know, I was shopping my film around and, you know, I had applied to go to the XFL showcase. The first one that I went to was in uh, Maryland, University of Maryland. So that was the very first XFL showcase. Went to that one, you know, obviously did good there, had good film, did good in all the position drills and all the testing stuff and everything like that. That's kind of how it was. And I want to say maybe less than a month later, I had got a call from a director. You know, I wasn't sure what team it was from, but they were like, hey, listen, like you're going to get a draft invite. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And he's like, you know, I mean, you're going to get a draft invite tomorrow. If not today, it'll be tomorrow. So I'm like, all right, cool. And, you know, I mean, sure enough, check my email the next day. You know, I had to draft invite right there. So, you know, I mean, obviously from there, it's just all about, you know, I mean, taking advantage of those opportunities and everything like that. And then, you know, I mean, just reaching out to people. I treated the professional level just like high school. Like I freaking almost failed my chemistry class my senior year of high school because I'm sending out film all day long. Like no matter what school you could think of, they have my film somewhere in their emails. So, you know, I mean, I just kind of treated it like that. I was my own agent. You know, I mean, I had an agent at the time, but I was just I was doing my due diligence because at the end of the day, it was for me. So, you know, I was sending my stuff out Um, as soon as the XFL posted about what staff was on what teams. I was looking people up on LinkedIn, finding out their emails and then just kind of just dishing it out. And then, you know, I ended up getting a uh, ended up getting a private workout to the uh, D.C. team, went down there like that was all good. And then from that private workout, it just kind of like, I don't know, it was just like a spark in a matter of like a weekend. Like I had reached uh, four teams had reached out to me after the D.C. private workout. So that was kind of how that went. I was going to say, did you leave that workout in the lead up to the draft and feel like that D.C. was the team that you were on the radar? But obviously four teams, half the league. So yeah. did you gauge that one probably had more interest in you than the other? Or did it kind of seem equal? Did you feel pretty good about your chances going into the draft? So DC, honestly, I don't think they had any interest in me at all. You know, I just so happened to email the director of player personnel and she emailed me right back and was like, come to the private workout. So that was like on like a Tuesday and that workout was that Saturday and I'm only an hour and a half, two hours from DC. So you know, I mean, it was nothing for me to go down there and I've already been training. So I was ready to go. One of my coaches from the fan control league, he's the offensive quality control coach in Houston. My specific head coach for the Glacier Boys, um, he's the offensive coordinator for Orlando. So, you know, after I went to D.C., you know, Coach Ford, he called me and, you know, I flew to Orlando, went to the went to the private workout down there. You know, I mean, that's kind of how my kind of connections kind of went. Yeah, it was just, there was no real, I guess you could say no real like overpowering presence from a specific team. It was just like, you know what I mean? Hey, this is so-and-so, you know, we want you to come down. 
hey, this is so-and-so. Can you please send us your film and stuff like that? Well, enough that you must have felt pretty good going into the draft, even though yeah, it was a yeah, two-day. So did you have a good feeling that you would be a first-day drafted player, or did you kind of feel like you're going to be day two, or it really didn't matter? You just you felt good about it? I definitely felt good about it just because I was in communication with different teams. So at the end of the day, you know, when teams are talking to you, telling you that they're putting you on your draft board, you know what I mean? You're getting a whole bunch of information sent from the XFL, sent from specific coaches. You know what I mean? You just kind of feel good about it, you know? And, you know, in the back of my head, like I, I already know kind of how the game goes. You know, I feel like, you know, they're going to go after guys who have, you know, obviously higher experience than me. Um, you know, I mean, like guys who went to the NFL, guys who went to training camp with somebody, guys who previously played in the XFL or as well as the USFL. So I kind of had a feeling that I was either going to go like late rounds on the first day or on the second day. So like, you know, I mean, it was really no stress watching the draft at first. You know, I mean, I didn't hear anything from any teams the day of. So, you know, I mean, it was stressful, definitely stressful watching it. But I think overall, I definitely felt like I was going to go sometime later on the first day or most definitely the second day. Once rounds started going by, I was like, yeah, I'm probably going to go on the second day. All right. So we brought everyone up to speed, right? Got to the draft. You're already kind of sharing about where you at, you know, kind of nervous, this and that, you know, just the picks are coming in. So let's talk about your big XFL draft moment. Mm -hmm. So on November 16th, the Houston Roughnecks selected you in the 11th round of the offensive skill segment mm -hmm. with the 88th pick. Right. Can you walk us through, you know, a little bit more of that day? Let's focus in, you know, how you woke up, you know, yeah. where did you spend the draft? Was it, did you just treat it as another day? Did you kind of like surround yourself with like family, close friends? I mean, how, how did you prepare or handle that particular day as those picks started coming in? Can you just walk us yes. through that? Yeah, so originally, you know, that weekend when everything was kind of leading up into the draft, my original plan was to uh, to like spend it at home, just around like family and friends, because I felt good, like I felt really good. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna get drafted, you know what I mean? That's just what it is. So, you know, that was my original plan. But I work, I'm a, a personal trainer in Philadelphia, so I work five thirty in the morning until one thirty in the afternoon. So then I found out that you know, the draft was starting at 1130. It wasn't going to start like afternoon or something like that. So I'm like, all right, dang, like, you know, I'm just a regular guy. I got to go to work. So I'm at work and, you know, my job already kind of knows what's going, my job already knew like what was going on. We had a team meeting. I ended up finishing up like my last uh, training sessions around like maybe like 10 o'clock. So I was still cool. Like, you know, I was sitting there just watching the draft and everything. And everybody's kind of like, yo, like, you hear anything yet? Like, and I was like, nah, man, like, you know what I mean? It's still, it's still the first round. Like, I don't really expect anything right now. So then, uh, you know I mean? We started our team meeting and they're like, hey, listen, like, we know what's going on. Like, just try to pay attention as much as possible. But like, do what you need to do. Like, if you got to get up, walk away, like, do what you need to do. So like, I'm in there, like, listening to the, listening to the meeting, but like, not really, like, completely zoned out. So like, just listening seeing the picks come through and everything. Then my agent called me around like round four or five. So like, I, like I get up, grab my phone, hop on the phone. And you know, he's asking me if I talk to anybody and I was like, nah. And he was like, well, like, I mean, just stay patient. Like it's a strategy kind of going on the way everybody's picking their guys. So just stay patient. So I'm like, all right, cool. So it's around like two o'clock. I want to say they might be in like round like eight, eight ish, eight or nine ish. 
and like my meeting is over and they're like, all right, like, you know what I mean? Good luck the rest of the day. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm probably going to go tomorrow. Like it don't really look like I'm going to go today. I'll probably go tomorrow. So like, you know, I, I get in the car, I had my hotspot on my phone and my laptop in my passenger seat. So like I'm on my phone, like driving home because I coach high school ball. So I'm like on my way to practice. So I'm that I'm updating like the link, the draft, everything. Like I'm just keep updating, like trying to see. Yeah. Like just trying to see what's going on. So like I'm driving and stuff and then round 11 comes. So like I leave work at two around like two 30 is around 11 has started. So I was like, man, like something got to give. Like I, I feel it with like, I, I'm going to get, I'm going to get picked up. Like I feel it somewhere in me. So like my draft, my dad is texting me. He's like, yo, like what's going on? Like, it looks like you'll probably get picked up tomorrow or something. And I was like, man, like, I don't know, like something's about to happen. Like I can just feel it. So mind you, like I reached out to a few teams like the, the week before and nobody responded to me. So now I'm like, like, oh man, like everybody's kind of like reneging and stuff like that. So I'm, you know, driving, I was like, you know what, let me just shoot Houston a text. Like, cause I was kind of talking to them for a little while and shot the director a text. And I was like, you know, like, let's do this. Like, come on, like, let's do this. Like I'm waiting, like, come on, man. He shot me a text right back and was like, let's go. So like, I seen it, I screenshot, I sent it to my dad. My dad was like, like, what does that mean? Who is that? Like, and then now he's calling me and then I refreshed the page and like, there go my name popped up. So like, I'm in the car, like, trying to switch lanes, looking at my laptop. I'm like, like, oh my God, like, you know what I mean? Come on. And that's, that's kind of how that went for real. That's very interesting. And I'm not just, you know, to be cliche or anything. (laughs) I mean, what's the chances that you text somebody that's going to be in that decision and just, and it happens. I mean, how much do you feel that that text helped make that happen? Or do you just feel like it was already happening? Oh no, man. And I, I honestly feel like I'm 50, 50 on it. It was like, I know, like, I know I was on their list somewhere and it may be like seeing my name pop up and was like, Oh yeah. Boom. So like, or like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think I was there. De- I know I was definitely on their draft board. You know, obviously teams got to, you know what I mean? Cross their T's, dot their I's, get all their, you know what I mean? Specific guys that they want. I wouldn't say I'm not a high profile guy. So they want to get their guys kind of in order. And then they knew I was still going to be on the board. Like I wasn't really talking super duper talking to anybody else. So, you know I mean? That's why I figured I was going to go on the second day for that to happen. It was just crazy. Like had a gut feeling. I was just like, I'm shooting this text. I got to shoot this text. Cause if I don't like, I'm gonna be mad when I don't. And you know what I mean? Like I- I'm just going to be upset. So yeah, I was just like, Hey, like you, you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take. I was going to ask you how surprised you were that Houston selected you, but seeing that you text them and you already got a response back, you know, let's go or let's do this type of thing. I would say it's probably not that surprising, right? I mean, you kind of got your response. It pops up. I mean, it was mostly surprising only because like, you know what I mean? I'm waiting around all day. You know what I mean? I was the very last, it was the last round. And then, you know what I mean? I'm like I said, like I'm not a high caliber guy. You know what I mean? I, didn't get any experience in the NFL, didn't get any experience in the CFL, pretty much undersized and stuff like that. So, you know what I mean? For that to still happen and for the route that I had to take to kind of get to where I'm at today, like it was definitely still surprising, like most definitely still surprising. Now I know I looked up your height and whatnot, mm-hmm. but you just mentioned you're undersized. Can you share with the listeners how tall you are? I am five six one seventy. 
All right, guys, you hear that? He's not <laughs> joking when he says he's undersized. So he is literally defying the odds here. So, I, and I'm not trying to make it a bigger deal, but I just wanted to make sure that it was clear because, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of listeners that may just not be aware of you. When I looked it up, I was like, hey, I already saw this. I'm like, wow. Because <laughs> that's definitely what have we always heard? You know, it doesn't matter what position people are, there's yeah. just certain heights, certain weights, criteria, whatever. Yeah. It is, right. So, I mean, you obviously don't fit what that stereotypical or that ideal criteria would be. Right. But here, you got drafted in the offensive skill set. You didn't have to wait for the open phase on day two or anything like right. that. So you obviously did enough. You proved yourself in person over and over again, whether it was a workout, whether it was the showcase, whether it's just right. your FCF, you know, your brief IFL experience, whatever it is, you have done enough to prove it. So have you received any phone calls after your draft from anybody in particular? You know, obviously, how long did it take for people to realize it? Was it you bringing it to their attention? Like, hey, dude, I got drafted. College okay. coaches, uh, you know, previous professional coaches, former players. Uh, it, happened, it, it happened pretty fast because, like I said, like I was driving. Like, all of my friends, everybody knew that, like, the draft day was, you know what I mean, was that day. So, you know, everybody is still, like, who can watch it at the time, everybody's watching it. So on my phone and then, you know, as I'm like celebrating in the car, like looking at it, I continuously feel like my phone go off and buzz and buzz and buzz and buzz. And then my closest friends from college who were watching it, you know I me, mean? I think they were like one of the first people to see it. They immediately posted about it. And, then, you know, like it just kind of trickles and trickles and trickles. So that was kind of how it went. Then they tagged me, uh, the Roughnecks tagged me on Twitter and it also just went from there from, you know, people sharing it, retweeting and posting about it. That's kind of how it trickled down. So I don't think I reached to any, I don't think I honestly reached out to anybody to say exactly that I got drafted because I waited, I waited a little while to like repost a bunch of stuff just because like I was like still in the moment, like answering phone calls and everything. So I, I didn't get a chance to repost anything until like later that night. And like, by that time, like I had a bunch of reposts and a bunch of tags and a whole bunch of stuff. So, you know I mean? My closest, my closest friends and family, like they saw it. And then, you know I mean? Obviously once I finally relaxed and stuff, like I had the chance like to text people and everything who were watching it. So, you know I mean? Those, those people who were like close to me, they all saw it. Awesome. We all have support networks, right? Some larger than others. But it's really awesome, you know, when people, whether they come out of the woodwork, whatever it might be, just make sure that they're catching you on your high. Not that you are a multimillionaire yet or anything, <laughs> right? Not riding your coattails. But to take that moment to acknowledge that you've kind of made that next step, you know, that next step on the stepping stone towards yeah. your dream. And it's kind of cool that they're not, you know, so self-centered that they're going to take the time and, and kind of high five you, praise you and kind of just... I can only imagine that's awesome as a player to kind of have, you know, more of that support. And you know that it's been a long time coming and a lot of these people have had that faith and and they're really looking forward to your continued journey. It's got to be cool. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, like, um, I'm from Delaware, very small state. You know what I mean? I'm very active and, you know what I mean, like training, like with, you know, high school kids, younger kids, you know, uh, a lot of parents, you know, they look for me to train their kids. Um, I coached at two different high schools in Delaware 
my younger brothers, you know, I coach one of my younger brothers now, another one of my younger brothers in college playing now. And you know, I got a lot of I got a lot of support, you know what I mean, around from regular people who just have, you know, a regular nine to five who don't play any sports to people who used to play sports who are older than me, who I be around and, you know, people who currently play sports, people who are in college and everything like that as well. So, you know, I definitely got a lot of a lot of support. So everybody who reached out, you know, I mean, I felt like it, you know, came from a positive place. You know what I mean? Draft is a big moment. But the job's not done, right? All so right, we right. got we got a lot ahead, or you have a lot ahead. I'm just a show, so uh, a host here with a show. But how much communication have you had now with the Houston Roughnecks? You know, coaches, director of player personnel. Have you got emails, phone calls? Have you received the playbook yet? Anything like that moving? I know we got the camp in January. But I mean, I don't know how much in the process they're in the, you know, communicating with you and setting things up for that transition to Arlington where camp is going to be. Right. I mean, right after the draft, I spoke to uh, offensive coordinator, Coach AJ. Um, I spoke to my running backs coach. And I want to say, you know, I mean, that was it. You know, obviously talked to me about, you know, what the game plan is for me, where they see myself in the system. And then we just received our offseason workouts from our strength coach and everything. And, you know, they just let us know, Hey, like, listen, this is, you know, we got our itinerary for, you know, where we report, when we report, where we're going to be at, where we'll play at stuff like, you know, I mean, little things like that. So, uh, you know, obviously they let us know that we should be receiving, you know, more information as we kind of lead up to it. They kind of want to do some more stuff like in person while we're out there and stuff, but they'll probably let us know like more of like the basic stuff just so they don't have to start from scratch. Once we get out there. Yeah, but they're not leaving you hanging, right? You're wondering no, what's no, no, next, no. right? So uh, yeah, no, nah, def- definitely not definitely not leaving us hanging. You know, they're staying in contact. Uh we have like a portal where they just send us like all types of information. You know, we're constantly getting questionnaires, you know, equipment managers texting us like, hey, what's your size in this? What's your size in that? So uh it's definitely not like a cliffhanger at all. We're just constantly getting something at least like maybe like once a week or somebody reaching out just to make sure like everything is straight and everything. All right. Well, you got to keep grinding. You yeah. can't grind too much. We you get yourself hurt. Right. So now it's going to be a happy right. medium. Like you got to make sure you're ready to rock and roll because I mean, that's essentially the tryout of a lifetime, whether you got drafted or not, it's essentially the tryout of a lifetime. Right. Yeah. Most definitely. Right. So good deal there. I want to kind of shift to the tweet that got us connected. All right. Mm-hmm. Because you had posted back on November 27th on Twitter. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to read the tweet. That kind of yeah. got me to, to respond. Yeah. So you, you posted, in all honesty, I got a story to tell. Where are the journalists in news outlets that want a story about a kid from Delaware in adversity and taking advantage of opportunities? So here's your opportunity, right? Yeah. Forget my questions. <laughs> what is it that you feel needs to be shared? Your story from your background mm-hmm. and your adversity. So So here's your platform. Here's your moment. Yeah. Uh, I mean, most definitely, especially coming from Delaware, I feel as though, and that tweet was more so aimed towards our outlets in Delaware. We don't have a lot of guys that come out of Delaware and play professional ball. You know what I mean? It's, it's a handful of guys, you know, currently right now, like Darnell Savage, safety for the Packers, uh, Brian O'Neill, tackle for the for the Vikings, Troy Reader, and everything like that. And, you know what I mean, Deron Harmon for the Raiders. So it's like... I don't think Delaware takes enough time to support 
those people who are continuously have Delaware attached to their name. They, with everything kind of going on, especially because I went to Delaware State, the coach who was my coach my senior year, he recently just got let go. And, you know, I mean, the first thing they do is article, Delaware State head coach, let go. You know what I mean? And I felt like, you know I mean, there's no real positive stuff kind of talking about at least where, at least with my alma mater, there was no positive stuff. And I felt like to be a kid like myself, I wasn't highly recruited coming out of high school. You know, I, I was a very good player. I was an all-state player, all-conference player, you know, got interviewed a bunch of times in high school. My younger brother brothers followed my footsteps. They got interviewed a bunch of times in high school. You know, my dad, same exact way, you know what I mean? Getting interviewed and everything like that, you know, all the, all the good stories. And then, you know, I go to Delaware State. Same thing, make a name for myself there. And, you know, I mean, we weren't on the super winning side there. Like I, I went over, I think my sophomore year and everything. And then, you know, still happened to kind of overcome things. I never left Delaware State. I was still an all-conference player and kick returns as well as running back. And then, you know, going through two head coaches, you know, that was tough. You know what I mean? Facing adversity. And, you know, I know I'm not the only one that kind of goes through that. But being a Delaware guy, staying in Delaware throughout high school, staying in Delaware throughout college, coming here, coaching our Delaware guys. And then, you know, I mean, obviously still fighting through these opportunities. You know, I've gave up jobs, gave up money to fly to Iowa twice and then get cut the day before my birthday to come back home, to fly back out to Arizona, get cut the day after the game. You know what I mean? To kind of still be working as hard as I am. You know what I mean? Like people still were asking me like, dang, man, you, you still playing? And it's like, yeah, like, you know, I, I care about football. I, I want football to be my job at the end of the day. So, you know, what I mean, my thing was like growing up, I just I just went to work at the end of the day. You know, what I mean, I, I felt like I should have been more light shined on not only myself, but especially coming from Delaware State, where we need that positive energy. We need to talk about, you know, what I mean, the professionals who get at the end of the day, if you get paid to play anything, you know, what I mean, you're a professional. You know, no matter no matter what level it is. And if you know, what I mean, it's good publicity, you get recruits and all of that stuff. So, you know what I mean? It was our volleyball team just are is in the uh NCAA tournament. You know what I mean? They just won the MIAC championship the other day. And, you know, I didn't see any information about that. You know, what I mean, I just knew just because I still follow the programs and everything. So, you know, what I mean, my thing was just like, you know, I wanted I felt like it should be more light shined on people in Delaware who continue to come back and help our, you know I me, mean, our younger guys, um, our younger athletes in general, and who continue to kind of put on for themselves and attach Delaware to their name at the end of the day. There's definitely a lot of, I don't want to say like controversy, but it's definitely just a lot of back and forth that goes about being somebody coming from Delaware. You know, whether or not you succeed or not, you know, there's different groups of people who train people and then you know, there's different levels of, you know, what we expect coming from here. So you got a, a different chip on your shoulder and, you know, I mean, seeing other people whose hometown support them crazy, you know, I mean, no matter what level they're at, no matter, you know, how long it took them to get there, you know, I just felt like we were lacking, lacking in that. And then, you know, I mean, even after I tweeted that, I was like Delaware to be specific, like we, like we need to do better. We needed to do better. You know what I mean? And I, and I felt as though, somebody with my story that I just spoke of, like zero offers coming out of high school. You know what I mean? Tore my ACL in college, went through a different coaching change, cut multiple times, 
Uh, and then finally get another opportunity, like just continuously taking advantage of opportunities, you know, going to Atlanta, doing what I did in Atlanta with Delaware attached to me. And I'm speaking highly of Delaware, speaking highly of, you know what I mean? The adversity that I faced at Delaware State and I overcame that adversity. So, you know what I mean? Even to get this opportunity to be drafted um, into the XFL. So, you know what I mean? I felt like that was a big deal and that was something that needed to be talked about. We watch all this news, whether it's national news, local news, and we see so much negativity. And I understand there's bad things that happen in the world, whether it's our hometowns, our states, our country, around, you know, the globe. I get it. There's also good. And I, I... I can feel where you're coming from because I, I grew up in a two light town an hour south of Rochester, New York, right? I'm in, I grew up in upstate New York and it's not about me, but I get where you're coming from because there's so many high school athletes or even athletes that go on to play college from those areas that those local channels just don't really dive into those small rural towns or even whatever. Everything's about New York city. So I, I can get what you're saying. You're from a small state and yeah, there's a chip. But that chip is getting you where you want to be, right? You're not there yet. You're still so. It's hard to say that that is totally bad because it, it's driving you. It's giving that fuel, yeah, right? So <laughs> don't lose that, right? And I'm not saying you're going to, but hopefully your state, local news and stuff can kind of shed light on that because it, it's kind of sad, you know. And I, you know, not to kind of go down that road too much, but it, yeah. it's unfortunate. And so you're right. I mean, you have you have done everything in your power, right. not only to represent yourself in the best way possible, but to represent where you're from, your roots. And they yeah. should celebrate that. And, you know, that's kind of a shame that they're not. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know what I mean, it was just one of those things, you know what I mean? Come, especially coming from my, a school from Delaware state. And then, you know what I mean? Kind of just maneuvering my way through. And it, you know what I mean? I think one thing that kind of lit that fire in me was the amount of recognition and the amount of exposure that us as athletes got from the fan control league. You know what I mean? It's like, man, we should be, I, I, we should be getting that in the state. You know what I mean? Our state is so small. You know what I mean? Our state is so small. Every, every other state supports that anybody that comes out of it, we got to do it even, we got to do it even more. Nobody respects Delaware. I traveled to Orlando and they're like, where are you from? From, from Delaware. Like, like, where's that at? You know what I mean? I go to Delaware State. It's not even many guys from Delaware that go to Delaware State. We got a lot of like Maryland and Florida and, you know, uh, New York, New Jersey guys that are down there. So, you know, what I mean, I'm super proud to be where I'm from and I want to continue to put that on. And, you know, it's just one of those things, like you said, it built the chip on me that will forever be on me simply because I'm from here. Like it's like you don't, you know, obviously recognition and all that from the state because I haven't got it since then. So it continues to just, just kind of go and it's like, yo, man, like we, I, I just think we need to do better as a state with, you know, I mean, just supporting different characters and pieces that come out of here and continue to put on for it, no matter what level it's at. There's one more thing that you had posted on your Twitter account that I kind of wanted to touch base, if you don't mind. Yeah. And I'm just going to read the tweet. Yeah. Really want to focus on mental part of being an athlete. Nobody ever breaks down that part until it happens. Heavy focus on physical prep and not the mental prep. Just take a moment. And why, why should this be more of a focal point? 
So recently I've been talking to one of my mentors about starting up a program that basically talks to young athletes about the mental stressors of being an athlete. You know, the number one thing that, you know, we go through is life after football. And, you know, I mean, there's a whole bunch of all of these statistics of, you know, guys who actually make it to play college football, guys who actually make it to play professional football. And those people who get to make it is very slim. So, you know, we got to be ready for that to happen for you. Like, what are your next steps? What are you going to school for? What's your major? You know, I mean, do you have a plan for post-grad while you're waiting for whatever's going on? You know, I graduated with a strength and conditioning major and a concentration in strength and conditioning. I was an exercise science major. Uh, I had the opportunity to go to Central Michigan to be a GA for my old strength coach out there. I turned it down because I told him I was like, you know, I mean, I'm going to go to professional route. Like everything was good. I had a good pro day, everything like that. And, you know, I mean, from that point forward, like, you know, I mean, like I said, I already kind of gave my background story. Things did not go as planned. You know, I was working overnight at a liquor store, a local liquor store down the street from my house, getting up in the morning, take my brother and sister to school, going to sleep, getting up, working out and then coaching high school ball and then like wash, rinse, repeat. So, you know, it was a certain point during that time where I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this anymore. I don't know why I'm even going to the gym. Like what doesn't what doesn't matter anymore? Like I'm not playing. There's nothing going on. Nobody's talking to me. Anything. So you know, what I mean, that's that mental side of it where it's like you kind of start to give up. You don't know your identity. A lot of guys don't know their identity outside of football. One of my closest friends from college, you know, he wrote a book to talk about like his depression that he went through because he didn't know his identity coming outside of football, and he had to kind of find his path through to figure out like, hey. What do I like to do outside of football? And, you know, I mean, he's definitely like one of my motivators now because it's like he doesn't even, you know, obviously he misses it, but he doesn't look back on it because now he's focused on, you know, I mean, what he wants to do now. And, you know, I love that for him and I love that for anybody. I just figure, I just think that everybody needs to figure out their why. You know, I felt like my why was to take all the lessons that were given to me and to pass it down to the younger athletes now. You know what I mean? I had a lot of I had a lot of mentors in my life and coaches that poured a lot into me, but there aren't many people who have a lot that pour into them. So I kind of wanted to be those guys to do that even throughout my process. So I feel like that mental aspect of it, you never get told like, you know, everybody gets told like, hey, listen, only less than 1% of people make it to play in the pros, right? But you never get told like, okay, what happens when you don't get picked? You know what I mean? Like, how are you going to feel when you see the guy next to you get picked? How are you going to feel when you, you know, you're looking at like a, you're looking at the draft or you're looking at guys that get invited to camp. Like I played against him. Like I got good film. Like how didn't I get picked up? Or, you know I mean? People are just not having resources like myself. I didn't have a lot of resources coming out of college. Didn't really have an agent or any of that. So, you know I mean? Nobody really talks about the mental stressors of being an athlete, even a young athlete, like, you know, I got school, you got your social life, you got uh, relationships with people. And then at the end of the day, you're trying to go to school. You know what I mean? You you may be in a crazy situation where you may have to go to work. You may have to miss practice. You may have to work out. Um, you know what I mean? Your family situation may, may be bad. You may live in a impoverished area. And you know what I mean? Your main thing is, hey, I got to get out of this area. I have to play football. And now you got a lot of stress on yourself to kind of make your family situation better. So I, I don't think it's talked about enough within the football community. I think everybody just talks about, hey, have a backup plan. 
like that can only go but so far of having a backup plan. But nobody talks about, hey, this is how you're going to feel. This is how you should cope with it. This is what you kind of need to do. This is what you need to talk about. You know what I mean? To kind of, and like I said, like everybody's worried about the physical side. This is how you prepare to transition from high school to college. You need to work out X amount of times. You know, this is, this is how fast you need to run for, to get picked up. You need to run a four, four or better, but nobody talks about, Hey, listen, this is the mental side of it. This is how you're going to feel. You know what I mean? The, the, the playbook's going to be this long. You know what I mean? There's going to be a guy every single year that's trying to take your spot. You have to perform at high level all the time in practice at any, at any time you're going to have coaches, you're going to have players that are constantly on you kind of, you know, possibly bringing you down. You may have situations where you go to a program where you're loved or something. And now that whole staff gets fired. What are you going to do? How are you going to feel? Are you going to stay there? Are you going to leave? Nobody really talks about like the real ins and out of football and being an athlete in general. You obviously are focused on your playing days because they're not over yet. You just got drafted far from over from what I've seen from your clips. I haven't watched full games or anything, but from what I've seen, I believe they're far from over. So let's not try to shift focus too much, but it sounds (laughs) like you may have found your purpose for when football is done. You see an issue. You see that there could be a potential solution, you know, so where you're at, you're still pursuing your career. You're still young enough where it's far from over. So right. even if it takes a year or two, whatever, obviously keep just grinding for the XFL, for the NFL, you know, whatever, just make it happen. But sounds like you kind of already connected, you know, you got a buddy that wrote a book and stuff. Sounds like you kind of have that network where maybe you guys might have your purpose for once football is over, you know, whenever right. that is, if that's 10 years down the road or whatever, because, you know, people have nice long careers anyway. But it sounds like, you know, that's something that's worth pursuing. Not that I'm trying to tell you what to do, but it sounds like you have purpose, right? That's beyond football. Most definitely. You know, just thinking of different ways to just, you know, just outreach and just just talk to just talk to kids. And, um, you know, I mean, like I said, continue to talk about my story because, you know, it wasn't it wasn't easy. You know, I mean, I'm just a hardworking guy with a chip on my shoulder. You know, we just faced adversity and took advantage of opportunities. And, you know, I mean, you could kind of tell how strong somebody's mental has to be. But, you know, I mean, nobody will really know that unless you know my story. So that's why I continue to try to just take advantage of opportunities to tell my story to kind of just shed light on what an athlete or what a, you know, I mean, a trying professional athlete looks like. And, you know, I mean, who's had to go different routes. Well, Bryson, it has been a pleasure. And I truly, honestly mean it when I say I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show to share your football journey, your draft experience, but more importantly, answer those questions and really kind of get into what matters to you. Obviously, you wanted to say something, and I want to just give you an opportunity to do it. Whether I was a Delaware outlet or not, doesn't matter. <laughs> but, you know, you felt like you needed to say something, and I wanted to make sure you had that opportunity. So I hope that camp goes well. And ultimately, you make the team because I would love to watch you play on Saturdays and Sundays in the XFL. I mean, I'm a season ticket holder for the Guardians here in Orlando. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, when you make the trip down here, you know, I, I love to see you uh, competing against my team, if you will, you know. Right. <laughs> but um, I know there's going to be a lot that's going on. You know, you got essentially got to try out and make the team and who knows how the contracts would be worded. But if you're allowed to, and even if we have to kind of communicate through the communications department or team 
with the XFL. I'd love to have you come back on sometime, just kind of chat it up and see how things are going for you and your team. Yeah, most definitely, definitely interested in that. All right, before I let you go, if some of my listeners wanted to be able to follow you in your journey, how could they do so? Um, my Twitter is underscore O-C-K-B and then the uh, number six. Uh, my Instagram is underscore B and Aline, which is my last name, and then the number six. Perfect. Thank you, Bryson. Thank you, man. You're welcome. In the lead up to the XFL draft, I rarely connected with players who had playing experience in fan-controlled football, most likely because I rarely tuned into the league's games. Therefore, I was vaguely familiar with it. I must admit, this is a shortcoming of mine. I am grateful for Bryson taking the time to join the show. Essentially, it has forced me to dive into his fan control football footage. If you are not familiar with Bryson, I recommend looking up his highlights on YouTube. I believe he'll be an interesting and productive player for the Houston Roughnecks in 2023. Unfortunately, we do not have any fan line messages this week. If you have a comment, question, or hot take and would like it to be heard on the show, reach out to the fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935. Doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Player 54 Podcast. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform or choice. One last thing. If you're interested in checking out our friends over at Royal Retros by 503 Sports, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, Let's Talk XFL, or 10% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning into today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Player 54 Podcast on your platform of choice. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Player 54 Podcast. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to player54podcast at gmail.com.